Pace Line Trio answers the question, chamois cream or not? Fatty is back with stories of travel and training. And now that the big three have electronic drivetrains, one company is shifting to hydraulics. The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels, and we are back as three. Fatty of Fat Cyclist has returned. Welcome back, Fatty. I missed you guys so much. Likewise. We missed you. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, the Pace Line can be found on the pages of redkiteprayer.com only after approval by publisher Patrick Brady. I'm apt to a- approve all sorts of stuff. Uh, you do, <laughs> and we want to thank you in advance for allowing the Pace Line to be on your pages. I just don't approve I'm Michael this Hutton. illness. I know. We Please, you, you have to control some. We have to get a handle on your immune system one of these days. <laughs> I'm Michael Houghton, host of the Pace Line, contributor to Red Kite Prayer. Thanks for being with us. And again, we're glad, Fatty, you are back. Fatty, where have you been? What have you been up to? And how have you been managing what I am sure is a is a heck of a training regimen? <laughs> well, the great news is I have full-time employment again. So the Yay. it is. Uh, as someone who has uh, between 30 and 40 children living at home and <laughs> a mortgage and whatnot, it is really nice to have income again. Uh, you may think that fatcyclist.com would earn me all the money I could ever need, but somehow it does not. In, so with having a new job comes travel uh, to go see headquarters in San Francisco where there is fantastic sushi and a hotel with an exercise bike or two and some treadmills. And that brings up a question that I asked myself uh, for three days uh, going down and sitting on an exer bike, exercise cycle, whatever you want to call it, is is this doing me any good whatsoever? I mean, there is no way to get the bike so that it fits right, and I feel like any effort that I am putting out is not training my legs the way that it ought to. I have no sense of whether the level of effort is any good. I am wondering essentially am i just ruining my knees or am i getting some kind of ro- of aerobic benefit out of this what do you guys mm-hmm. think is it even worth it to go use a hotel exercise for a serious yeah. cyclist absolutely i mean you know invariably almost any activity is better than zero activity um you know can you uh create recreate your trainer road uh, you know, workouts there? Mm, probably not. No. But, you know, to to get an hour of, you know, just, you know, light aerobic riding in, um, there's certainly something to be gained in that. Um, now, that said, having just preached that, I'm a guy who has never, ever gone to a hotel uh, rec center to sit on one of those exercises and pedal away. Uh, back when it was cheap to uh, fly with a bike. I just always brought a bike with me. And since it got more expensive, I got a bike with SNS couplers. And so I still travel with a bike. Hmm. Hmm. So traveling uh, with a bike. I, yeah. 
Yeah, I use them as warm-up and cool-down machines all the time. Hopefully, the little hotel has some sort of gym as well. You can also use them when you get up first thing in the morning, have a cup of coffee, go down to the exercise bike, do an hour on that thing, fasted. You'll burn fat like crazy that way. So there's ways to put those things to use other than what you're normally accustomed to regarding stationary riding, which in your case, obviously, is trainer road and intense workouts. You can fiddle with those things and make them work to your advantage and do things maybe you otherwise wouldn't do at home. Say, for instance, you could do a few uh, weight workouts, a few sets with the weights, jump on the exercise bike real quick, do one-legged you know, uh, intervals, mm-hmm. switch legs back and forth, jump back off the bike, do another weight set, things like that. So there's ways to kind of get creative that involve the bike but don't necessarily rely on it for that day's workout. You sound like someone who's done some traveling for work in his lifetime. I, I have not. I, ju- I just go to the gym quite a bit, and hmm. I've you know, figured out ways to incorporate the, either the spin cycle or the stationary bikes that are sitting around in a workout. And I like to read this kind of weird stuff too. So yeah, it's just, but yeah, when I have been at Interbike or other, you know, other big conventions and I've not had a bike with me, yeah, you find yourself in these quirky little Holiday and Express gyms and you kind of got to make the most of things there. Hmm. Yeah. See, I was thinking that if I'm going to be traveling for work on a frequent basis and you know i'm going to be traveling probably once a month or so maybe i should get back into doing a little bit of running you know guess so that my legs are trained for running and just do when i'm traveling just bring my shoes and you know go on a run because the you know i really just it was so miserable just you know turning you know trying to put in 45 minutes on one of these wide seated extra cycles and that's really the worst thing about them right you sit on one of these things that have the couch the, yeah the cruiser style seats that are made for you to sit completely upright and even so uh, you know you feel you know within 20 minutes you feel them grinding away at the insides of your thighs uh you know cuz they're and you know that they don't fit your sit bones in any way and your sit bones never contact anything it's just this giant weird padded thing where you feel no support no anything it's just weird and wrong it's the saddles that are really the worst of it of any part of it easy there chief otherwise people are going to get the idea that this is fun <laughs> oh i'm i am so i uh, i i have no idea what I, whether this is something to keep up. I, I like your idea though, Hottie. I'm going to give that a shot, you know, come with a plan and try using it. But I think I'll probably also bring my running shoes and, you know, start going, okay, you know, see if I can start, you know, just do, you know, four or five miles and maintain my aerobic base. And, you know, who knows, maybe I'll, uh, you know, start thinking about an Terra to train for, because that gives and- me motivation for a why I run. Because apparently I can't just run without having a reason can you swim oh you know i'm just not going to i i i I enjoy playing in the pool with my kids and when you know when they were littler and but swimming laps is just the purest form of you know misery exercise as far as i'm concerned i just can't i can't enjoy it and Mm -hmm. I, i say this as someone who has trained for you know, an Ironman and a half Ironman before, and I can do the distance, but I've never hated exercise so much as when I'm in a pool. Mm-hmm. Well, it's good to have you back. Yeah, no, it's good to be off back. the stage. Yeah, 
back with your bikes. Oh, I'm... Put the stationary bike in the corner for the time <laughs> being. You can get back to it later. Oh, yeah. Uh, last week, or last show, I should say, Patrick and I spent a pretty good amount of time talking about the Amgen Tour California, and that race is now in the books. And in particular, Fatty, we focused on one rider that both Patrick and I have run into here in California, and that is Lawrence Tandam. And we talked about him because... He has uprooted his family from the Netherlands and moved it to California, moved his family to California for a better life. He managed to get a UCI Pro Tour contact that said he could do this. So he raced in the Tour of California with the giant Alpacine team and did quite well. He finished 10th on GC, 213 by the uh, winner, Julian Alaphilippe. He was actually in 5th by Thursday, even though he fell during the stage to Tahoe. The Friday time trial was kind of his undoing, though. Uh, Lawrence, you probably need to spend a little more time on your TT bike and less time on the gravel races we've been uh, catching you at. He did bounce back in Sonoma County, uh, where he uh, moved up uh, to 10th place. And again, he kind of validated by, you know, finishing high up on GC at the Tour of California, this contract that Giant Alpacine gave him that has allowed him to live in the States while the rest of his team rides and uh, races in Europe. Uh, Nielsen Paulus, I don't know if you saw this guy, uh, an amazing talent, won the best young rider, and he punctuated that win by being the youngest at age 19. And during the climb up the Gibraltar Road in Santa Barbara, he just kind of spun his way away from the field. That's an HC climb. He just looked like he was just, just coasting up the darn thing. Beautiful pedaling stroke. Uh, amazing kid. He's on that Axian Hagen Berman team led by Axel Merckx. Man, Axel just has a knack for finding good young riders. Eddie may have been the greatest racer of all time, Patrick, but I don't know. Could Does anybody spot talent better than than Axel Merckx right now? Have you seen some of the guys that have come through his program? Uh, he's, he's really good at that. Uh, this would be where I do need to give a shout out to uh, Toby Stanton of the Hot Tubes Junior Team. Many of his writers have gone on to Axel. Uh, and so, you know, there is another guy who has quite the eye for talent in the junior ranks. But, you know, in terms of taking a guy from, you know, kind of, you know, that that uh, cat one level ready to, to go pro and develop developing them not just into, you know, a reasonable domestic pro, but into somebody who can really go on to big things in the world tour. Merckx is the guy doing it. He really is. Yeah. Really, a third of the 54 riders who've come through his program have moved on to the world tour ranks. Taylor Finney, Ian Boswell, Alex Dowsett, Lawson Craddock, Joe Dombrowski. This list just goes on and on. So an amazing program going there. And then Nielsen Paulus seems to be the big revelation out of the Amgen Tour of California. The women's race got a decent amount of exposure. Broadcast TV coverage came down to a few finishing line highlights and some podiums. Online, race organizers had half-hour recap videos you could watch. In case you missed it, Megan Guanier of the Bowman's Dolman's cycling team and the current national champ won the general classification. Actually caught up with Megan and her teammate Carol Ann Canwell at Synergy Cycles here in uh, Santa Monica, a specialized concept store. There was a reception for the ladies and a chance to talk with them about their success this year and the run-up to Rio. First of all, congratulations to the entire team and specifically, of course, to Megan, who was top step on the podium and our friend the dog back there, who is obviously very happy about your win as well. 
So first of all, tell me about the tour of California. You must be very pleased with the outcome and, and how did you get to the top step? Yeah, of, of course, we're very happy with the outcome of uh, Tour of California. The it, it all started the first day with stage one, um, just a perfect setup by the team for the win. And we took the jersey the first day, and then the team defended very well throughout the whole race. Carol, once you guys have a jersey, what's what becomes the attitude on the team? How does it change, and how does the intensity pick up? Well, I think it's still the same because we had a plan the first day and then throughout the week we still had a plan to try to keep uh, Megan in the yellow. So we just, every day was a hard race. <laughs> Obviously you guys have had great success so far this year that, that everything seems to be going your way. And I guess the trick now is to keep things moving in a positive direction, especially with Rio on the horizon. So what happens now? How do you keep the good mojo going? Yeah, that's a, a question we face every race. Uh, we've won a lot this year, but every race we come into it with a, a, a clean slate and we need to figure out how to win the race. So um, to, to keep the good mojo with this team, it's just doing what we've been doing, racing aggressively and going into Rio. Unfortunately, the team gets a little bit broken up between our nations. So uh, my little teammate over there, Caro, is going to be my <laughs> competitor in Rio, which is always a, a difficult uh, balance, but... Yeah, we're all professionals and are out there to race our bikes. And Carol, you feel happy with the progress, obviously, right now. And what are your ideas about keeping it going as you point towards Rio? Um, I think we're going like um, every race is a new race. So we just like try to give our best at every single time. So I think, uh, yeah, the next step is Rio and everyone is ready for that. Megan, you've made it no secret that Rio is something you want badly. Um, you've not made that a secret at all. It's, you've put it out there, uh, especially since Richmond and, and beyond. So what kind, are you starting to feel the weight and the pressure of that yet, of, of the games and of, of being uh, representing your country? Yeah, every day that goes by is another day close to Rio. And um, yeah, it, when I made that automatic qualification towards in Richmond towards Rio it was really this this was a, a lifetime goal to make the team now what's the next step and that's to to make a good result there um, and that's what we've tailored my season around um, and hopefully we just continue the progression and you've been to Brazil once right uh, give me your analysis what what is down there what kind of race course are you looking at what are you expecting down there it's one of the most challenging race courses I've seen. It has so many different features. It has cobbles, it has short climbs, it has an incredibly long, difficult, steep climb, and a very technical descent and flat, flat crosswinds along the coast. So it's a little bit of everything we see in the season all packed into one race. Does that race course sound like your kind of race course, Carol? Uh, yeah, I think the hardest is the better. So, yeah, I hope I, to be selected by, by my country and go up there. But, yeah, it's really challenging course. Even for the time trial, it's really, really hard time trial. Yeah. Well, how does the Canadian atmosphere and fan base, are they, um, are they into cycling? Um, does it differ from the, from the States to Canada? I don't know if it's different. Um, we mostly talk about hockey in Canada, but... I think cycling started to be more known by people. Uh, we have like two big races for the men in September, but there's still a lot of work to do, I think. 
There's a lot of work to do, I think, for, for women cycling on both in Canada and the U.S. And look, my perception is when I watched a tour of California, I thought, OK, they're giving us some finish line highlights. But come on, we we could stand to get a little bit more on the women's side to see more of what you guys are doing, how the tactics play out. There simply just isn't enough. Yeah, have they made strides? Yeah, we're starting to see a bit more here and there, but from this person's perspective, it, it's not quite enough. How does it look from inside the Peloton, Megan? Are you guys seeing a change in as far as your exposure? Yes, um, we're seeing a change. Of course, it's not fast enough or en- enough that we feel right now, but every step counts. And um, for instance, Tour of California took the step to make the women's race four days, UCI, World Tour, Women's World Tour, and that's huge for us. And that that brought um, all the European teams over to the U.S., and on top of that, they we did have a 30-minute recap of the race, which is more than we've had in the past. Uh, if you wanted to find a, the, if you wanted to follow the race, you had you were lucky to get a Twitter feed, and little updates about who's attacking and who's up the road and and who's having a flat. So, um, even a 30-minute summary, video summary, is a step in the right direction. The infrastructure's getting there um, to have women's race coverage live, and yeah, so it's it's. It's all positive, and um, the more the fans speak out about how much they want to see us and um, that it's not enough, that, that'll put the pressure on the media and the organizations to get, get our races out there. Carol, you've been doing more interviews. Has there been more interest in what you've been up to in your racing? Um, I think so. I mean, well, I haven't done any in California, but I know Megan has been at some press conference, so that's, that's a lot, but... Um, for me personally, not not more, no. <laughs> well, well, we're talking to you, so that's that's more press than previously. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get into the pace line. Look, this podcast we try to you know we have tried to make it a focus that we believe on the pace line that that women cycling deserves a fair shake and some exposure. Um, and look, uh, you the, the the women's side of the sport doesn't bring all the problems the men's do they're the ones with the doping problems and the issues it seems like and the women's side seems to be playing you know a very straight game which is which is good to see i don't know i'm not racing with them there may be other issues there we don't know that but uh, we want to say good luck to both of you in rio uh megan stars and stripes go for it and of course the maple leaf will be yeah. there too very strong thank good luck to both of you in rio thank you, thank you. Again, that's uh, Megan Guanier and Carol Ann Canwell of the dominant Bowles Dolmans team, backed by Special Eyes. We want to thank them for uh, joining us on the pace line, guys. Uh, one more thing on Rio before we uh, let the uh, let the Olympics go. A world champion, Peter Sagan, will be one of the big, uh, big names racing at the Olympics, representing Slovakia on the tough course with a small team. He has been downplaying his chance at a medal. So the Slovak Cycling Federation has sent a request to the UCI for Sagan to be awarded a wildcard slot to compete in the cross-country mountain bike race in Rio. Asked at the Tour of California on Sunday when he would race next on the mountain bike, Sagan answered simply, I don't know. Now it appears that it may be in August in Brazil. Sagan for gold on a mountain bike. Hmm. Please let that Alrighty, happen. All guys. Um, Please let uh, that happen. Yeah, huh? 
I'd pay money for that. I would. Uh, I would. Uh, I would sign the. Uh, I would sign the form. I would pay money for that. I would definitely tune in. Yeah, more Sagan, please. More Sagan. All right, boys. Let's uh, get down to something that really matters: our tender backsides. <laughs> we are back with another edition of Dark Secrets and Private Moments from Fatty, Patrick, and Michael on the Pacer. And this is going to be Megan Guarnier's move. Here goes Megan Guarnier onto the final climb. Inside 700 meters to go. This might be the race winning move. The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. Fatty is back. Uh, Patrick Brady is here. And I am Michael Houghton, your host. Tom Dumoulin of Giant Alveson went to wearing pink in the Giro to wearing a grimace and climbing in his team car. On stage 11, the once race leader pulled out due to a severe case of saddle sores. He struggled through the discomfort for several stages. Wearing the pink jersey provided some pain relief, but when the rest day brought him no improvement, he gave in to a dreaded saddle sore. Guys, I'm sure this happens more than we know, but at least it doesn't happen as much as it used to. Before Modern Fabrics, uh, the pattern on shorts was made from the hide of an animal called a chamois, and it was pretty much leather. And to keep the chamois supple, oils were applied, hence what we today call chamois cream. Now, today, our chamois are much softer, and they don't need the kind of conditioning of the older pads. So now it is time on the pace line to drop our shorts <laughs> and rub a little love where it's needed most. Patrick, this was your idea, so we're giving, uh, we're letting you go first. I'm assuming the chamois cream or not question is an eye vote for the magic lotion. Give us your best practices and any stories that led to your methods. Well, this is all rooted in the artificial chamois of the late 1980s and early 1990s. I used to be super, super prone to saddle sores. Um, and so I took to using chamois cream and it was really some time before I realized that the chamois had improved enough that it wasn't nearly as necessary as it used to be. That said, I will still use it on, uh, particularly hot days, um, and particularly long days. Uh, those are the two things, you know, if I'm only going out for an hour, maybe two, uh, I'm unlikely to apply any, but, uh, over that, you know, so Saturday and Sunday rides, or if I do say a long Wednesday ride, um, I'm much more likely to put it on. I'm just kind of curious about others practices because I mean, I still believe in the stuff. There was a time where if you were a cyclist, you were using it. It, you just, you couldn't really get through without it, but obviously yeah. the, the practice is not what it once was. Um, even though the, the quality of the creams, you know, some of the ingredients in there are much more, shall we say, body friendly. Um, and I'm kind of curious about you guys and what you're doing. I'm a, uh, like I said, I'm an occasional user still, uh, and I apply it to me, but I certainly run across people who still apply it to the pad. Um, and so, I mean, that's one of those differences in, in approach that uh, I've always been curious about. It seems to me like you don't, you don't really need to uh, spread it across the entirety of the, pre of the pad the way you used to. So mm -hmm. how about you, Michael? What do you do? Well, I, I, you're going to 
you're going to hear from me, and it's a fairly involved process. But first, I mean, I think one thing anyone will do is, look, the interwebs, full of videos on this topic, writer vignettes on their practices, and detailed instructions on just how to handle this mm-hmm. private moment around the private parts. If you look at the human pelvis from a bike seat's point of view, you'll note that the front part of the pelvis that supports a cyclist weight is in the shape of a V. It's on this V that contacts the seat that is a good spot for a generous dollop of chamois cream. Both male and female genitalia are located in the hollow spot at the bottom of the V denoted by the blue oval here. Some people find a dollop is good here too. The anus, of course, is located behind the genitalia as denoted by the smaller circle. And the area between these two spots, shown by the yellow star, is a favorite spot for most people to place a healthy amount of chamois cream. The bottom line is, just don't overthink it. Put chamois cream on the parts of you that bear most of the pressure of the seat and or experience a lot of friction. And just go for a ride. And of course, always use Doc's natural chamois cream. One of the more clinical approaches I think you'll find. That dude is a party. Yeah, isn't he great? I mean, there's, look, there's better. That's why I, I think I picked that one on purpose. He's so straightforward. Here's where you put your chamois cream. Look, this is this can be a fun topic, but a very important one. Now, let's go to Fatty first. Uh, Fatty, before you drop your shorts, I'd like to recall a guest post that ran on FatCyclist.com in 2007, submitted by wow. Al Maviva. Now, Al wrote in great detail on saddle sore types, treatment, and prevention. He said that saddle sores come in five varieties. One being, and my favorite, the painful purple pimple of pustulance. (laughs) Al wrote, I wish I could get bike parts as tough as these saddle sores. I would market them and make a million bucks. Man, could you imagine a mountain bike tube as tough to pop open as one of these purple monsters? Like Like the common cold, they take five days to develop inflict maximum misery for another five days, and then take five days to go away, unless they choose to file for permanent residence. (laughs) Fatty, uh, you also left text behind on this subject. A year after Al's saddle sore biopsy blog, you were reviewing D's Nuts chamois cream when you revealed, I normally don't use any chamois cream at all, ever. Not when I do a training ride, not when I do a big epic mountain bike ride, not even when I do the Cocopelli Trail. Due to the texture of the chamois cream, it is just icky at best and searingly painful at worst. Fatty, that was eight years ago. Anything change? Um, I have a number of things to say regarding ha- have things changed. Uh, in general, no. Uh, things have not changed. I rode around the White Rim uh, two weeks ago, and it didn't even That's occur. That's not a euphemism. Pardon? <laughs> That's not a euphemism. No, no. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Man, I wish I would have thought of that joke. That was good. Um, I, <laughs> but no, I, I did not. I did not even think to bring chamois cream. Um, I have since then uh, ridden from you know ridden solo nonstop from uh, Salt Lake to St. George, uh, 28-hour ride, no chamois cream. I just don't, I don't use it, and I don't feel like I need it. And I have the question, if you sweat even a moderate degree, whether any of that chamois cream is going to be doing any good inside half an hour, which is when you really start needing, 
I, I mean, with it, it, for an hour-long ride, you don't need it ever, period, I would say. And for anything longer than that, you've sweated it all away. All that said, I really like uh, Doc's Natural Chamois Cream. Um, ah. Not for myself. And I don't. Our featured video, our featured yeah, video. Yeah, the guy who there, did this Docs, video, okay. th- th- I the smell of that chamois cream is really nice, and my wife swears by it. That is the kind that she uses now. So, hmm, okay, non non paid for endorsement. Um, but my wife who uses chamois cream for every ride, uh, including short ones, she likes Docs. She's a big fan. Yeah, and I picked Docs. I picked that video at random. I was just hunting around on the internet looking. Oh, there's got to be something out mm-hmm. there about chamois cream and about using it and. And Docs was it was just so clinical. I had to I had to go. For yeah, it. as long as we're doing well, unpaid for endorsements, another Docs product that I really like is Docs body wash. It is um, if you are a cyclist um, and you are showering frequently, uh, it's gentle and it's really nice. And once again, not yeah. paid for. I'm just a fan of the product. Yeah, and another equally important way of preventing saddle sores is a good scrubbing and. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, Al's Al's article on on fat cyclists, which we'll link to uh, on, on the show notes, uh, talks about the importance of of staying clean yeah. and cleaning afterwards, and it, it is really very important. All of that is look, guys. I learned the hard way about what I consider the absolute need for chamois cream. Uh, I flaunted friction and rode around like somehow I had sit bones of steel and skin to match. <laughs> Hell, when I was a golfer, I didn't wear a glove. I was damn proud of my calluses. You develop these things, this toughness. And then uh, one day after a succession of rides, it arrived. It being the previously mentioned purple people eater pustulance thingy (laughs) by Al. It took a week to get rid of. I took hot salty soaks in the tub, cleaned it, took ibuprofen for the swelling, even tried some drawing salve to get it to release its poison. When it finally subsided, I vowed to never let it disrupt my riding again. So I came up with a system. First, some pretty regular stuff. Clean shorts for every ride. Duh. A bike fit. A saddle with the right width. No hanging around in shorts after rides. Carry towelettes in the car for disinfection of the area. Uh, But my big revelation was my chamois cream cocktail. I actually use two products before most rides. One is a lanolin-based ointment that is applied directly to the skin. Uh, The other is a cream-type chamois product that is applied old school to the shorts, to the chamois. It sounds like a mess, and it can be. My saddle tells all. In fact, it glistens in the morning sun from the fine coat of butt product that coats its top cover. (laughs) People will walk up to my bike, touch the saddle, and immediately retract their hand and ask, what the hell is that? <laughs> and when I tell them, they walk away from my machine with a very confused look on their face. I don't care. <laughs> Have I had a saddle sore since my mixology began? Sure, usually when I get careless. But they are small, easily treated bumps, not the monster that once sidelined me. So I will stick with my rituals. The double dose of product, just keep your hands off my saddle and that is it folks that is how you can prevent a saddle sword dude lube up that was beautiful (laughs) (laughs) not as good as al's Uh, alma viva i'm telling you folks you got to read that article on fatcyclist.com 
It's an amazing piece. As well, the, your D's Nuts review, I think, was was well put, too. Yeah. But look, to find that. There, obviously, there's, there's th- we have three different ways here, right? I mean, you can go all natural. You can do it once in a while. You can be Mr. Super Prevention. Um, there's, there's, there's certainly a way. I, it's just something that everyone needs to be aware of. How do I prevent this debilitating, it's small, yet debilitating injury? Yeah. Uh, so it, for people who want to find Al's uh, guest post, it is called Saddle Sores and Their Sources, I believe, uh, which is fa- well, truly a fantastic post. Um, it, it's a little bit disheartening to me that my two most popular, well, two of my three most popular posts on Fat Cyclist Ever were from uh, were from guests. The other one that was just as popular was How to Pee While Riding Your Bike. So... Well, uh, yeah, two of the most <laughs> frequently asked FAQs uh, uh, in cycling have got to be, especially non-cyclists to cyclists. How, what do you do when you have to go to the bathroom? And what about the short, what about that seat? How do you sit on that seat all day? Sounds like we got to have another podcast uh, topic on uh, peeing while biking. Well, it, it it probably is necessary, <laughs> and I do I do have a diatribe on that too. <laughs> I look forward to that. Uh, one one All thing right. I want to add: I don't have as um, as rigorous of a post ride uh, plan as you, or but for me, what works, and I don't get saddle sores. Period. I don't. Uh, I think I've had a saddle sore wow. once in twenty three years of riding. I just have a bottle of Purell. And after every ride, the chamois comes off pronto, and a bunch of Purell goes on. Um, yep. Kill the bacteria, and you're you're not going to be as likely to get a saddle sore. I'm just lucky, right. I think. You know, I, for whatever reason, I'm naturally resistant to that kind of thing. But I do know that other people who do something, you know, make sure you clean that area with something that is antibacterial pronto after the ride. Don't leave the chamois there and stew in your juices. You're going to be okay. Mm, stew in your I juices. I know. We, you don't want to make <laughs> your own gravy. One. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Let's clean up this show. Oh, man. Huh? <laughs> Coming up, we head into the garage to check out another new Grupo. And we're rolling our R's this time because uh, this new Grupo has a Spanish accent. That is next on the Pace Line. The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. Fatty is here, Patrick Brady and Michael Houghton. We are in the garage because the three of us are bona fide gearheads, so we always love to kick around what's latest in gadget and gears for our bikes um and we start with the u.s women's track team uh, first of all they've announced a team kelly caitlin chloe digart sarah hammer jennifer valent and ruth winder will be your u.s women's track team in rio go ladies the u.s women's team pursuit squad placed second in london in 2012 they are the current world champions champions that is so with a rainbow jersey uh on their backs why change anything it looks like they will, and the change is the bike. Uh, Felt has developed a super aero machine for the ladies that includes the drivetrain being placed on the left side. This asymmetrical frame design and left side drivetrain are aimed at improving aerodynamics 
and combating the slight yaw found at indoor velodromes. The left side drivetrain is a custom design by Vision based on its Metron TT crankset. It sports an aerodynamic chain ring cap and a stages power meter with dual sensors. But the real eye catcher here, Patrick and, and Fatty, that the drivetrain, I mean, the sprockets, the chain ring on the left side of the bike to combat yaw. Does it, Patrick, you did some time at Felt. Uh, they are a high quality, excellent bike company. Does this sound like something that they would reach for and, and, and look for? You know, the, I think the thing that's really important to understand about Felt is that they'll stop at nothing to make a bike faster. Um, you know, they don't pour the money into marketing and advertising that other similar sized brands do. They pour virtually all of it into development. And when they turn an engineer loose on a problem, uh, as they did with the new TA, uh, they do so, you know, with pretty much a blank page. You know, they, they tell them, you know, here's what we're out to produce, uh, go to it. And so uh, the, the duo of Jeff Socek, who's head of engineering, and uh, uh, Anton, uh, uh, I can't think of his last name, um, their head of aerodynamics, uh, Anton Petrov, um, they, they made a bike that was, you know, to, really meant to supplant much of what the TK, uh, which came out back in 08, um, the TK was a, a sprint bike. Uh, the TA is really meant to fill in on, uh, you know, pursuit and uh, that sort of thing, uh, team pursuit. And uh, the putting the drivetrain on the left side uh, was meant not only from uh, to help from a, an aerodynamic standpoint, but also it lowers the center of gravity of the bike ever so slightly. And if there's one brand on the planet that will go after every marginal gain that they can make in a bike, it's felt. Uh, they they really they don't rest on you know what's kind of normal or accepted. Uh, they're going to go after fast. And you know I've been riding uh, their AR, the Aero Road bike that they produce. And independent testing confirmed that of all the Aero Road bikes on the market. Uh, it's faster at every yaw angle except for zero degrees. Head on, the Cervelo S5 is still fastest, but from every other angle, uh, the AR is faster. Um, so this is a company that you know deserves to have us pay attention to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Fatty, does if somebody walked up to you and handed you a bike with a left side drivetrain and said, "Don't worry, it works better," do you trust them? Do you go? Do you get on that bike and ride? It? Well, if it's felt, then yes. I know it sounds like we're, uh, you know, suddenly wanting to give felt a lot of hugs and kisses, but uh, they are they are a very nerdy company in the very best possible way, and I love that they are looking for tiny little advantages in service to uh, to women cycling. Uh, I think that's just fantastic. I, I am yeah, I is. am trying to think. I'm like, so how would that affect? me when I ride. And I'm thinking, you know, okay, I think that I would get a whole new rash of rookie marks that, you know, only, (laughs) you know, 20 years of riding has finally, that I've learned to avoid because of the right side drivetrain. I think I would be getting uh, left side rookie marks for years to come. <laughs> you know, if gold medals are hanging around the necks of these ladies at the end of it all in Rio, I, I, I could care less if they put the drivetrain 
underneath the bike. I, I don't care. As long as it's legal and there's no dispute and they can win it, uh, go for it. This may look a little weird, may sound a little strange, but sometimes you just got to trust the engineers and go for it, you know? Uh, guys, steel may be the real deal, but it hasn't helped one company. True Temper has decided to phase out its bicycle frame tubing program over the next year. The Memphis-based company will accept orders for its steel tubing through the end of this year. All production and shipments will end March 31st, 2017. Major blow, Patrick, for frame builders who like to use True Temper. Yeah, I mean, this is one where I think a lot of uh, fans of custom steel frames won't really understand what a blow this is uh, for a little while to come. You know, back in the 1990s, uh, Tange, the Japanese tubing producer, discontinued its prestige tubing, which was a darling of custom steel builders. And uh, Mm -hmm. it was one of those things that, you know, we were feeling ripples for years to come because you'd have a chance for somebody, you know, to pull out their old stock and build a frame from it. And you go, oh, yeah, (laughs) this stuff was really nice. Well, S3 is arguably one of the two or three best tube sets on the market. My Bishop was built from it, and it's one of two bicycles in my life that has weighed in, you know, a bike in my size, a 56 and a half top tube that weighs in under four pounds. That Bishop is three pounds, 11 ounces, and uh, getting a bike that light is not easy to do. The S3 tube set uh, is renowned for being really stiff and allowing you to produce an unusually light steel frame. This is a real loss. Yeah, well, the, the hope is that somebody will pick up the business, buy this section of the business from True Temper, and then carry it on. True Temper, uh, they're going to stick to golf because they make golf shafts. So that's where they're going to focus their business. They just don't consider bike tubing part of their core business anymore. Uh, the UCI may still be on the fence about disc brakes and the Pro Peloton, but the manufacturers are at least acting like it could still happen. The UCI's approved list of frames and forks was recently updated to include new disc-equipped race bikes from Giant, Specialized, Cannondale, Merida, and Canyon. Here's the list in case you're kind of wondering what's in the pipeline. Uh, Cannondale Super 6 EVO, going to come with disc. Giant TCR Advanced SL, disc-equipped. Canyon Aero Road and Ultimate will get the disc treatment. Specialized Venge, an aero bike, looks to be getting disc Merida's Sculptura. We don't really see Merida too much here in the States. It will have the disc treatment, and Ridley's Noah SL also should have discs. So, again, the bike companies are moving ahead. They kind of couldn't stop things, even though the UCI put up a temporary stop notice on disc brakes in the Pro Peloton. And the manufacturers had this stuff in the pipeline. They're moving ahead. They're filing bikes with the UCI that they hope to race in the Pro Peloton that will be disc equipped. Ahora which means now in Spanish, the Spanish company, Rotor, has been showing off its new group set. A bit of a surprise when you consider the rush to electronic shifting. Rotor has gone with a hydraulic actuated system. Uh, Patrick, you had a look and a feel. Tell us uh, about hydro shifting. Sounds a little strange. Yeah, it was a big surprise. I mean, I'd heard a little bit about it, but um, last week I was in Sedona, Arizona for a little mini press camp. A few different brands were there. Magura has been working with Rotor on the creation of this group set, and so some of their expertise uh, has been enlisted to bring this thing to market. Uh, 
this thing, you know, we're not going to see a lot of this group. Initially, the production run is 2,000 units, and then they project that they're going to produce about 200 units a month. So you're not going to suddenly see, you know, one of the variants of the uh, tarmac, you know, from Specialized uh, mm-hmm. graced with this. This is going to be probably the province of uh, smaller frame builders. And uh, it's a really, really neat group set. Uh, it's got some adjustability so that you can uh, decide whether you uh, downshift one, two, three, or four cogs at a time. Uh, the release uh, is still single cog, you know, one at a time. Um, the It's a single paddle shifter, and it operates essentially the same as uh, SRAM's system, so that uh, you, you depress the lever slightly, um, and you get the, the first click, and that will execute um, for the rear derailleur and upshift. Uh, press it through that first click to the second click, and you'll get a downshift. I would say. Wait, and, and no one's suing over that? Uh, I don't know if this isn't protected by a patent or what, but oh. or maybe it's licensed. We really didn't even get into that in the meeting. Um, so. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's the same basic thinking. the uh, The front shifting is just the same, um, where you know you you uh, depress it slightly and it will release uh, the chain from the big chain ring to the small chain ring. It does have uh, mini clicks for uh, trim, and uh, I would compare the weight of the shift. Uh, on the order of uh, force, you know, without the slick cables. Um, you know, it's it's a pretty light touch. There are lighter touches out there, but it's a really, really cool group. Uh, you can do either disc brake or caliper brake. If you go with calipers, it's with uh, Magura's uh, hydraulic caliper. And if you go with disc, uh, you know, there's the there's the new uh, disc brake from uh, Rotor with Magura's help. Um, mm-hmm. I expect that this will mostly be sold uh, as a, a disc group. And they say, you know, I haven't had a chance to independently confirm this, but they say this is the lightest uh, road disc group on the market. All right. And we're still waiting for a group set from a- um, FSA, that is. Uh, they supposedly have a deal to be on the Cannondale Pro Team's bikes, but they haven't shown up there yet. Maybe some patent issues with the FSA side of things. We don't know anything about that yet. Fatty, I figure you're still a mechanical Grupo guy. Just, I'm just guessing here that you're sticking with the tried and true stuff. Well, you'd sort of be wrong in that, actually. I uh, On my time trial bike, I have Ultegra Di2. And I had the first generation uh, Shimano Di2. So I, uh, however, I have replaced uh, that with mechanical uh, Durace, which I find just mm-hmm. delightful. I'm kind of uh, wondering, as a person who buys his own equipment, um, <laughs> if there, if we are either approaching or have reached peak drivetrain. Uh, things are changing so fast and so often that I no longer am willing to buy anything. I am waiting for things to settle down. That happened for me a little while ago with uh, uh, with hub standards and you know what kind of an axle I need to get for my wheels. And I'm kind of getting there with drivetrains now. I'm like, okay, 
everything looks really cool, but I don't know which is going to be around in two years and which is going to be improved and which is going to take off and which is going to be the next, um, I don't know, the next left side drivetrain. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the beautiful thing right now, I think, is that you can bottom feed. I mean, you can you can look for really super good deals right now. I mean, usually when the prices drop like this, and I'm, I'm guessing here, Patrick, it's an indication that manufacturers are about to make another move. But I, I've been shopping around for some road stuff and the Shimano stuff and some SRAM stuff. It's just, it's dirt cheap right now. So your risk mm-hmm. of buying something that's going to be quickly outdated, you know, at least the dollar amount on that risk isn't, isn't too high. Sure. And, and so you can bottom feed a little bit and go, okay, I'm going to go get some Ultegra shifters and some derailleurs, and I'm not going to be put out too much for that. And if they update it a little bit later, okay, so what? It still didn't cost me that much money. You know, the only real problem for most uh, riders is if they have multiple bikes with multiple different drivetrains, uh, and, you know, and they want to be switching around wheels and that sort of thing. If you buy a uh, Shimano Dura-Ace group right now, yeah, they're going to update it soon, but you know, the parts that you get right now are still going to be serviceable, you know, with parts availability for many, many years to come. Uh, mm-hmm. While Shimano does believe in, believe in planned obsolescence in terms of, you know, moving technology forward, uh, they don't, uh, they don't stop supporting their products the way you know apple does after a while where suddenly you just you can't get software to work uh on you know a first generation iphone or ipad uh and Mm -hmm. you end up with this brick that's not the case so you know it uh we're really pretty uh pretty stable in terms of hub and axle standards for the most part on the road scene uh we are going to go more through axle both with forks and rear triangles uh, mountain bikes, yeah, that's pretty seriously in flux. I mm-hmm. I can kind of understand, you know, people kind of wondering what's going on there. But again, it's the same sort of thing where you know, if you buy a bike that's Boost One Forty Eight, um, you're going to be able to get parts for that for many years to come. And I don't know nearly as many people who have multiple sets of wheels for a bike. Uh, in the case of mountain bikes, yeah, I'm just talking about. I mean, if you were to go into my garage, you would see a Cannondale scalpel and the front wheel on that needs to be very specific you would see my felt frd9 which has a rock shocks rs1 which has a very specific hub and you would see a my single speed which has old style quick release and you would see my wife's uh stump jumper which has a through axle you know without getting crazy at all and this is this is not me being hypothetical this is my actual garage none of these wheels will work together and it's you know you keep buying the new thing and it seems awesome and there's a compelling argument for each of them but it's also a little bit frustrating that you know if this breaks you can't just swap out something else is it patrick do you know is this being heard at the higher levels of of bike manufacturing at the shimanos and shrams are they hearing this at all or is is it purely just this this arms race, and they're going to do what they need to do to win the arms race? Um, I I mean, yeah, they've heard it. Are they responding? Not really. Uh, <laughs> you know, the the product developers and engineers, their mandate is to go make the next better thing, not mm-hmm. to make the next compatible thing. And you know, is that going to be frustrating to consumers? Yeah. 
you know, but think about it. You know, do you really wish that we were all still on nine speed drivetrains? <laughs> well, no. no, we want single okay. speeds. Yeah. <laughs> At Leadville. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. No. We, we swore we were going to keep Leadville out of the show. <laughs> and, it and I'm the one who ruined it. That was the mandate. And you and I if, honored if there is that, a mandate, I, it's, it, we, that falls squarely on Patrick's shoulders. The, the guy does. who's never the, been. <laughs> the two Leadville entrants had kept their lips zip on that magical ride at 10,000 feet. And here, there it is. It comes every time. So, I tell you what, let's grab some break. Let's bring the pace line to a stop. And let's make it a hydraulic disc stop while we're at it. Cool? I'm good with that. Fatty, as you are coasting to a stop, uh, tell us what is coming up on uh, FatCyclist.com and the FattyCast. Well, on FatCyclist.com, I just wrote a post on how to measure your which zone you are in without any special gear. Highly recommended because it will help you in no way whatsoever. On the FattyCast, <laughs> I uh, posted a really interesting and thoughtful discussion with uh, Dr. Bob Murray, who is with Flex Pharma, and they are coming out with a product that has been just called Hashtag It's The Nerve, and they're releasing it this week, and it is a, uh, a two-ounce little drink that is very hot and spicy. You drink it when you're having a cramp, and the cramp goes away. It's worked for me multiple times. And as a guy who has been limited by cramps in many writing situations, I'm pretty excited when something works. And so this was a conversation with uh, guys who have, a, have uh, put together at least a couple of the pieces of that, of the cramping puzzle. Worth listening to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, that we are due for a cramping discussion, I think, here on the Patreon. Because oh, yeah. next to chamois cream and what you do for your sore butt... And how you pee on the bike, uh, what you do about cramps is one of the other questions that any, you know, amateur or new cyclist generally asks a a veteran cyclist about cramping. So we'll get into that on the pace line coming up soon. Yeah, so much mythology Uh, around that one. Um, And I I actually have some useful information on that one. So listen to the podcast and then, yeah, let's let's the three of us talk about cramps sometime soon. We will. Uh, Patrick, Red Kite Prayer Post going up at a mile on a minute. What do you have in the works there? Well, I've got a couple of posts relating to my trip to Sedona last week. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, two of the bikes that I rode while there are under embargo, and I'm really eager to talk about them. But in the meantime, I'll be talking about uh, riding the uh, lightweight Urgestalt and that rotor group. And then uh, hopefully recovering from this virus I have in time to ride uh, the next to last grasshopper of the year, Super Skags. Uh, I have a post up on Red Kite Prayer, by the way, on the route, R-O-U-T-T, by Moots, a titanium bike. One of my rare opportunities to ride titanium. I was really curious to go out and compare it, compare it to like the carbon bikes I have and see how it responded to some of the trails I'm very familiar with. It. So check out uh, the route on redkiteprayer.com. The pace line can be found there at RKP where you also find links to the show, and we're going to put a f- up a few from the discussion we had today, especially about chamois cream. And you can comment on our discussion at redkiteprayer.com. iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Music, three places to subscribe to the Pace Line. You can also track us using your favorite pod app. We are also on Twitter at the Pace Line Podcast. There's always a way to get and track the Pace Line. Uh, so for Fatty and Patrick, I am Michael Houghton. We will talk to you next time on the Pace Line. People often wonder, just how do you use chamois cream? 
Short answer is any way you want. 